Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another homey episode of Inspiration Point. I'm Andrew. And I'm Adam. Good to be with you. Good to be with you too, man. How's your evening yeah. going? Just fine. Just fine. Uh, relaxing, playing some games, Ooh, uh, trying not to think too hard. And uh, now I'm talking to you, so it's going to be a really nice, relaxing time. There you go. And that is what we shoot for here on Inspiration Point. A nice, relaxing time. Yes, a, a time before the hearth, between friends. Yes, yes, exactly. Before the hearth, between friends. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, you know, my... I I actually got a couple things off my list. Um, well, one big thing is I finally got my car registered. Had some hiccups with that that made it uh, a big old pain. But I finally got that all out of the way. And that's been hanging over my head for a while now. So it's nice to, you know, get those get those big real life things out of the way you don't just sweep those under the rug in in perpetuity hoping they'll magically disappear because that's i've tried that a lot yeah have you have you given that one a shake i've i've given that a shake many times (laughs) especially in my youth uh when i was you know you know that phase usually like I want to say it's like right after high school, usually at least in those early years of college, sometimes through college where you're learning how to adult. And there were some things in my history that I, you know, growing up, the school system didn't teach me. And, uh, you know, my dad may have tried to teach me, but I don't know how receptive I was. As to be fair, did you learn the things the school system did try to teach you? Hmm. Because <laughs> how, how, how's your geometry these days? I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I got, I got to stick up for all the teachers out there, right? Well, it's okay. a tough gig. You got we do our best. <laughs> and squares and triangles. You have all right, I'm trapezoids. With you. Which that's right. That's that is to a shape. It is what you use to catch zoids. Um, <laughs> and not to be Very confused good. with with noids. You you should avoid those. Avoid the noids. Yes, especially if you like pizza. If you want to keep your pizza safe, avoid you have the to noid. avoid the noid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just in case the earlier discussion was not enough of a clue as to our age. Yeah. You know, I mean, look it up, kids. Look it up. That's every episode of Inspiration Point, right? There really is. It's like 5% us talking about nerdy stuff, 95% us talking about how old we are in a way that would infuriate people who are actually old. Like, yeah, shouting at kids to get off our lawns. Yeah. But then you'd have like people, our parents' ages, who would listen to us and go you're not old you don't know what old is and we're you know and we're stuck in that weird in-between place where we want to be old enough and crotchety enough to be able to just say whatever ludicrous things pop into our head and not have anyone give us a hard time about it but i'd like to think i've always been crotchety 
my wife would swear up and down that um, I'm just a grumpy old man now. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Well, I didn't want you to agree with me. <laughs> I could just see her saying that, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like just I could see her feeling that way. No, it totally tracks. It totally tracks. My my son was totally doing something like inappropriate earlier. He was just like shouting something at the top of his lungs that he ought not. And uh-huh. like, I just kind of like sat here in my chair and like finished up what I was doing. And my wife's like, hey. Don't do that. Like just shouts from the other room. She doesn't move a muscle. Right? Like we just we don't care. I just we've just we've just phoned it in. We're like, hey, you shouldn't do that anyway. I just I just I just don't have the strength. We just we're like, uh, oh well. Hey, do you wanna go take care of the no, do you? Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, in the grand scheme of things, does it really does it matter? Really matter? <laughs> and if you zoom out long enough, what's the opposite of the grand scheme of things? The, in the short run, I guess. In the short, the short run, run? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess it would be. I yeah. guess it would be. Hey, you know, speaking of a short run, um, ooh. My mom brought me back something cool from Wisconsin. She went back um, to try to help my uh, my grandmother and my uncle. It's quite the run. Yeah, it's, you know, her, uh, it'll just wail on your legs, right? Um, but if she's running like that, she does, you know, she does have all the legitimacy to tell us we're not old. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That that's is a true. hike. That It is a hike. Um she went back to help my grandmother and my uncle clear out a bunch of old stuff. And my yeah. my mom's side of the family in particular, they're really big um, thrifters. They love checking out like Goodwill and all the local thrift shops and stuff and looking for treasures right. and um, all kinds of neat cool. old stuff. So my mom is helping my uncle go through all his old stuff. And he looks for like old game things, old toys and stuff. And she hands me these two books that she brought back with me. One is called beasts of legend and legend is spelled L E J E N D. And the subtitle is cyclopedia of creatures, not encyclopedia. So legend. Sure. All right. And the second book is legend masters lore. Again, legend spelled the same way. Information. You do like the word lore. You are a sucker for the word lore. Lore is a good word. Everyone should be a sucker for the word lore because it's that good. Uh, you might say you're a lore. Whore. I would never <laughs> say that ever. Oh, Sure. Oh, <laughs> it's true right down to your core. Please no more. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I do that for? <laughs> because it's making me sore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're do- being a bore for the audience. So, well, I've just got one thing left to say, and more. that is that the ball is in a court and it's yours. 
Oh, I don't know what to do with the ball. What was I supposed to do with the ball? You had cool books. Tell me about these books. Okay, so these cool books, I look at these, and on the bottom says author's edition. I was like, that's interesting. And I open up to the inside, and there is this parchmenty looking page yes. that has a number and a signature. Wait, I'm going to pause you right here. Was this book written by you and created by you from the future that you then gave to your mom to deliver to you at a specified moment in time when everything would become clear? I did. I give I gave it away, didn't you I? Just That's like the ending. Spoiling the whole thing. That's the whole thing. I knew it. I knew it. Oh, it's happened to me so many times. I you know, it's future. Oh, my God. You know, that's what Amazon's going to come up with next. <laughs> the thing you bought for yourself in the future minority report, but it spends your money for you. Oh, if they could, they would, you know, Bezos has been thinking about something like that for years. And at first you'd be angry, but then you'd open the box and it would legitimately be a thing you desire and you would just shrug and there'd be nothing you could do about it. You would just accept it. Like they would have a full return policy and you would just be like, well, I would, I mean, uh, I, I need it. I need it. I knew that I needed this. Like, even if you looked at it and you're like, what could I possibly use this, this widget for you? You'd have like a note or something. Hey, me, this is from you in the future. Trust me. It's important. It's like the briefcase from Pulp Fiction. Yeah, totally. But it contains your father's approval. Oh, imagine. No. <laughs> just kidding. Okay. okay, okay, okay. Back to the books. Inside the cover of both of these is a parchment page with some cool, like, illumination on there and stuff. Otherwise, it's, but it's like black and white. And I look, right. and there is an actual, like, signed in blue pen, so you know it's not printed. And hand-numbered, these books are each one of a print run of a 1,000 released to the public. And these are both signed by Gary Gygax himself. Are you kidding me? The cover of the book, I even went back and I looked at the front because I was like, what signature is that? Because I had just read the main title. And you looked this up and figured out what it was? What? No. And you, you... You like looked it up. You like checked online. No, like I like she just gave me these things. And I look at the top after looking at the signature and it says Gary Gygax's legend masters lore and Gary Gygax's beasts of legend. And I have legend masters lore number 418 out of a thousand and beasts of legend number 82 of a thousand both signed by gary gygax himself wow i was like what <laughs> and you, you and your mom just found this at a thrift store no my uncle had found this at a thrift store ages oh. ago and he just keeps this stuff for forever like he you know he sees it and he goes oh that might be valuable or collectible or something somebody might want this someday so we'll pick it up and he like that's one of the reasons my mom went back is that they have so much stuff collected that 
you know, it's it's a Herculean endeavor to try to, you know, declutter all this stuff. Like a lot of us have tried to declutter our own stuff nowadays and like it can be a, a major effort. And you're talking like a full three story apartment building plus a basement all filled like basically use the entire building as storage more or less um so there's a ton is that cool or is that a problem like is that a thing you intervene on or uh i mean at this point it's the kind of thing where you need some help (laughs) because you know they're trying to sell the place so I see they got to clear see. it so out. You were happy to take this much off their hands. Oh yeah. I was like, mom, you find any cool game stuff. You let me know. And you know, my uncle's like, Hey, you know, is this dungeons and dragons stuff stuff you like? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yep. sure. Is. So I got those. Those are, super cool i was poking around online and um saw that like you know i think i think one of these books is like selling for like over 100 bucks or something like that pretty cool so i think those will maybe decorate my shelf for a while so that'll be that's pretty pretty fun well, um, i think you flip through it and there, is there cool stuff in there there well i only flipped through it very very briefly um, because I, I literally got these things maybe an hour ago. Um, oh, oh, so this is very recent. Very, okay. very like my mom just got back from her trip and she's, uh, stopped by here not too mm. long ago. Um, there's a lot of stuff in here that has very like almost first ed feel to it. Um, just like stats for all kinds of just animals and stuff. Like I'm looking at this creature called a mustiel M U S T E E L. And sounds like a Pokemon, the humanoid race called mustiel. The weaselman is another of the light shunning Wesselman. It's Wesselman. Wesselman <laughs> is, is another of the light shunning subterranean races that are hated and feared by humans. They have flattened skulls and protruding muzzles and appear strongly weasel like. The general build is thin, narrow, and slope shouldered, adapted for a subterranean habitat. Coupled with rapid, sinuous motion and large protruding eyes, small, high set ears, and short cranial hair, this species appears almost as if it were part weasel. Mustiel have fair hearing and sense of smell and excellent eyesight. Amazing. So, so it, it is the guy from Wesselton, the traitor from Frozen, mixed with the Underminer, voiced by John Ratzenberg. Uh, you know, I had gone a completely different direction and thought that this is just the weasel from the suicide squad (laughs) that definitely gets there faster he's definitely also my favorite character from that movie really the the child murdering psychopath is your favorite yeah because he doesn't say anything he just has this he said enthusiastically oh man he's he's so fun i feel like he's just probably misunderstood 
My favorite character is that bird that gets revenge right in the beginning. Which one? Yeah, you know the the guy that like throws the ball in his prison cell and he kills a bird. Oh yeah. And then oh. and then later on he gets his brains built blown out and then a bird lands on him and starts pecking at him. Oh yeah, you're right. I'm like, that's beautiful. Right? Yeah. First eight minutes of up. Eat your heart out. Oh, yeah, dude. Is real feels. Real feels. Real feels. Oh, man. So a lot of cool stuff going on. A lot of cool stuff going on. I Oh, you'll be interested to know this. I am officially working on transitioning over to Foundry. Um, I looked into Foundry server hosting and threw down a few bucks on it. And uh, was looking into like um, how the hosting and stuff all works. So hopefully if I have some luck this weekend, uh, Monday for Curse of Strahd, we might be playing in Foundry. So we'll see. Wow. So, well, I, I hope it just runs well, because, I mean, that's the thing like, yep. that's been really tough lately. And all of our games is just getting anything to run properly. Yeah. Roll 20 has you know. been finicky at best yeah i don't i don't yeah. know what the deal is there but i don't know either anyway nobody wants to hear us sit here and uh lament about technical issues nope. so i so. have a little topic for tonight oh all right so there's you know when it comes to role-playing games especially tabletop role-playing games but also mm-hmm. in just general media culture we have there are a lot of tropes that uh, some we like some we don't like some that just make us roll our eyes or you know want to yeah. tear our hair out um, and there's one trope in particular that I think is really really big in the role-playing game community all right, I'm excited. What is it? It is the trope of you meet in a tavern slash inn. Yeah. So that phrase is more often than not enough to at least elicit a bunch of groans from, you know, at least seasoned players at most tables. Like it, it always feels like this sort of, cop out or like oh really you couldn't have a start anywhere more interesting it's gotta be you all meet in the tavern right it is definitely one of the more common places i i don't think i'd roll my eyes necessarily but i totally see what you mean right yeah. i think there there are other places that we often see people start out in one might be like on a boat yeah, uh, on a ship of some kind in a prison. Sometimes it's a prison ship to combine the two things. Oh, that's sometimes it might be every a Elder large Scrolls scale battle game ever. Yeah, absolutely. Every single one of them is you're a prisoner and then. Yep, you're a prisoner and then. And because that's a good way to start you out with nothing and then to ra- railroad you in the beginning where it needs to get you. Right. And then open up the world in a way where you can you literally have no obligation. Yeah. And so. It, it really makes sense for that. Certainly starting out in a tavern is is a strong D&D trope, but I also think that there are good reasons for it. Yes, and that's 
one of the things that I would like to talk about tonight. One, yes, which would be why why the tavern or inn as a starting point, why taverns and inns are important in terms of the in terms of the game, in terms of storytelling. Um, what are some key elements about inns and taverns? Why don't people like to have that as a starting mm-hmm. place? And what can we do to kind of fix that? And lastly, how could we possibly shake things up for the uh, tavern or inn as a starting point? All right. Sounds like a good outline. Yeah. So first, why? Let's get this out of the way. Why don't people like the tavern or the inn as a starting point? Well, I think that's a a big assumption, perhaps. I don't I don't know. I guess some people might dislike it. I, I don't think I don't think it's inherently disliked. Let's say it is very common, mm. right? And and some some might turn their nose up. So let's say, why would some do that? Okay. So why would they do that? Because they've seen it a lot. Yep. Okay. But there's a good reason you've seen it a lot. And I think that, you know, when, a lot of times when we first start playing the game, that might be all the GM really has to it. You meet in a tavern. There's nothing remarkable about it. Yep. Anyway, role play, right? Yep. So maybe they associate it with those former mistakes. That could definitely be. Um, so that's that's one guess, and I and I think there is always just that. Oh, I I'm seasoned, and I want you all to know that I'm seasoned. So I'm going to turn my nose up at this thing. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like we always we, we always see that attitude here and there. Sort of a you know a, maybe a a not so nice way of trying to establish your bona fides. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I'm around. Oh, a tavern. Hey man, this guy sat down and he ran a game for you. Like, oh, right. Now the only thing that would give me reservations is a reaction like that. Right. Sure. Where, you know, someone was like that, but I, but I see what you're, what you're saying too. I think a tavern is a great way to start. Yeah. And the reason why I think it's so common and why I think that it works so well is because it's the place where everybody meets. I mean, a tavern is usually also a pub, right? Which right. is short for a public house. It's the house where everybody gets together in the public and can be as long as they don't hit each other with chairs and the like. Correct. And it is in in storytelling purposes the uh, the watering hole. It is the place where everybody comes and meets and rests and talks and learns and gains information to move on to the next thing. Right. It's also an excellent place to say hello. You're all at the table and now you are all playing. Right. It's a very easy way to say everybody is already engaged. Go ahead and play. Right. Uh, one of the bigger campaigns that I'm currently involved with um, began in a tavern, you know, and nice. there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. And how did that go? Well, we had strong role players. And I think that 
what worked out about it was that everybody was here to make things work. Right. And so people are meeting and they're talking. Uh, My character was a bit of a recruiter anyway. Mm. So it made sense for him to be here and looking for people to to essentially employ and sure. to and to gather up in 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 his endeavor right and everybody was just sort of there for it i think part of the complaint might come from how sometimes players react i think a lot of players might sometimes think of themselves as aragorn sitting in the corner with the hood up yeah. brooding silently and that makes for difficult role play um, in that moment sometimes. Yes. Unless that player is like narrating everything. Right. Right. If they're just sitting there waiting to be, uh, you know, engaged with, they might be waiting a long time. And then the GM might go, why isn't, why isn't John participating? How come he's not right. engaging with me? You know, Oh, does he think it's lame? Does he think it's boring? Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So I think misunderstandings like that can happen too. That could be the, the two reasons that I've kind of uh, noticed is basically, and and this this is also just coming from, you know, kind of the online community, which, you know, of course, those are always the people who are obviously the most outspoken. Plus, you've got, you know, you take it with a grain of salt because most people are posting anonymously or semi-anonymously so you have that kind of barrier of anonymity to kind of let people just say ludicrous things but the general sense that i had gotten was one it's associated with just a general lack of flavor where it had it at least at its very most basic it can have this kind of just plain old vanilla vibe to it where, you know, to piggyback on what you had mentioned before um, that could stem from having been in the hobby a while and seen the tavern pop up as the starting uh, area or situation so many times that it might, you know, get some people to go, here we go again. And also, I think that a lot of people may associate the tavern with laziness from a storytelling perspective. Oh, I couldn't come up with anything clever. So I'm just going to have you guys start in a tavern, Um, which I don't think is necessary is fair or no or accurate. But I can see how people might make that assumption. So I think one one pitfall we can avoid right away is just saying you meet in a tavern. Now what? Tell me something about this tavern. Right. Give it a silly, ridiculous, memorable name that we're going to be able to associate something with. Give it a little bit of brief history. Right. Um, Talk about those sensory elements. Well, Um, let's not get ahead of ourselves because they're. Well, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I I get what you're saying. No, I'm just totally fine. I I have to disagree with the um with the naysayers out there. And, and like I said before, I think there's just a lot of know-it-alls out there in these communities oh, that want to sound smart, want to sound superior. And and it's like, bruh, you are not above a tavern, frankly. 
you know, maybe you're maybe maybe saying a tavern is the wrong way to go about it. You know what I mean? Like as a GM, you shouldn't be like, so here is, you know, tavern a enjoy yourselves. Anyway, I'm done. Yeah, that's lazy. Fair enough. Sure. Right. But we can, (laughs) I don't think a GM worth their salt does that. Right. I sure hope not. Yeah. I mean, we all have our off days. <laughs> fair, totally fair. Um, and I, I am a hundred percent with Ooh, you. Saltsworth. Like, Ooh, Saltsworth. That would be a great name for a tavern or a tavern keeper. Saltsworth. I'm writing that down. Oh my gosh, that's you should write that down too. That's nice. Yeah, um, Saltsworth. I almost Saltsworth. Welcome to my tavern. I, I, t- I literally just made him Vander. <laughs> And I support that decision. As <laughs> Vander is every tavern keeper. As he should be. The man <laughs> was born for that role. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I will say this, too, before we go further. I, I'm right on the same page as you. Like, obviously, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. doing this topic because I feel exactly the same way. I love no, me yeah, a good totally. tavern. Um, oh, yeah. And... In a tavern, well, I think that'll actually come next. So why, and I think this is the direction you were going in anyway, too, is now that we kind of understand the general why people might not like it, let's dive into why taverns are important. And you already nailed one of the points I have on here is the point about it being a communal gathering place for not only locals, but like if, if you looked at like a, like a small village or something like that, whereas a very small tight knit community sort of situation, a small village won't even necessarily have a tavern especially if they're like kind of way out in the boonies or whatever. If you're not on a main thoroughfare, that's going to attract travelers. It's just you and you guys, you know, that may even have been where the idea of a public house started because, you know, instead of having a, like a business, people probably would just regularly go gather at somebody's house it just becomes the local hangout, right? Or at least that sounds intuitive to me. I mean, there's so many things to it. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it is that public gathering place. But it's also, like you said, it might be the only stop on a long winding road. Yep. It is the rest place where we come in maybe from the cold or other harsh elements, maybe from the dangers. Yep. There's like maybe some unspoken or maybe explicitly spoken rules about conduct and not harming one another. Right. Some ask you to leave the weapons at the door. Um, that sort of thing. It's it's the neutral zone. Yeah. It is it is, you know, a magic circle within which we conduct ourselves differently. Right. Travelers meet and they can share stories. And they can boast and they can show their trophies and they can, you know, uh, they can exchange valuable information. Secret deals can be had. Absolutely. Couldn't be done, you know, under the nose of the guard. 
um, there's so much endless potential yep. for the place where you all meet. And I think that we also see this in popular media. I mean, think about one of the most popular cheers. Um, yeah. Cheers. You yep. know, one of the most popular sitcoms of all time is, is cheers, which I would highly recommend to anyone to check out because it's really about, it, it is a love story. And you think that, you know, spoiler alert, but I mean, it's been a few years <laughs> it, the, the show tricks you into thinking that you're watching a Will they, won't they show. Mm. And really the, the final lesson of the show as it comes to a close is that it's a love story between Sam and his bar. Mm. That's, that's such a, it's such a great idea and everything else that he was chasing and everything else that he was going after was all secondary to, to his first and only true love. Mm the bar itself, you know, it, it's a, it's a beautiful story and it's filled with, with beautiful, wonderful characters that, um, they're really just, just timeless in a lot of ways. That's, and, and that's a great example of why this kind of place can be so special. Like not only does that show start in a bar, but it pretty much stays in it for a darn long time. And you get some yeah. great stories out of it, right? Yeah. Every now and then you you go see, uh, you know, so-and-so's apartment or house or whatever. But it's pretty few and far between. For the most part, you're in Cheers. Right. And, and for the good. And, you know, my my favorite thing about Cheers is every time Norm walks in the bar. Norm! Yeah. Everybody shouts Norm. It's beautiful. Yeah. No, Norm's got nothing going for him. <laughs> But but he's got that, and he always has a great one liner to, to follow up. <laughs> Give me one. You got one? Uh, not offhand. No, oh, no. Oh man, <laughs> I was just thinking. Of, I was hoping. I was just thinking. Of, yeah, no, no, no. I could probably look one up really quick if you want. No, it's all. I good. don't know if it'd have the same same magic. But you know, it's it's all right. See, we're human. We don't we don't know all these things uh, off the top of our heads. But oh wait, no. Okay, I do know one. All right, I do know one. All right, so he comes in, and and Sam's there, and he's like, "What'll it be, Norm?" And Norm says, uh, "I don't know, like maybe like a something to drink, like maybe a wine or something." And he goes, "A beer, Norm?" And he goes, "Well, sure, if you're offering." <laughs> <laughs> if if you're offering. <laughs> said the customer to the bartender i probably messed up the line somehow but yeah he says something to that effect nice i like it i like it that's that's a good good line and i yeah i agree with with all that you know and and it is that special kind of place that that's unique from most others. Like it's a place you can sleep. It's a place you can eat and drink. It's a place where you yes. can gather information. It's a place where you can find entertainment like music, gaming mm -hmm. fights, you know, all that kind of stuff. You can find relaxation yep. and shelter. You know, you can make connections. You know, it's a networking hub. It's, it is this central nexus for the adventuring life when you think about it, right? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And you know, it's really, it's really no secret. And 
there, we we have tons of great examples of of wonderful public houses in fiction. So I mean, like we have the cantina in Star Wars. Oh yeah, and one of the most wonderful things about the cantina is how colorful <laughs> the denizens are. Right? Oh, they're nuts. It's just it's just like okay, Jim Henson. You know, just just lose your mind, man. Just, lose just your, go nuts. Anything you think, it's fine. <laughs> it's a, it's pre-approved. That's right. And, and he's like, all right, buckle up, right? <laughs> so what I did, right? All right, get this, guys. Get this. <laughs> all right. All right, check this. All right, I'm going to I'm going to blow you your know, mind. But it's awesome. <laughs> I went It's so cool. To a candy store. And I saw this taffy pulling machine, right? And I saw this taffy pulling machine and, okay. So I took this taffy, think a big old thing of taffy, like just real wide and kind of, kind of wobbly a little bit. And I stick some eyeballs on there and boom, we've got an alien. <laughs> okay, Henson. I mean, why not? Why not? You know, that's, why that's great. Why not? Why not? Um, yeah. And so. And then, of course, you got the the famous music played by the Bith there. You know. Oh, now we're copyrighted. Um, yeah, no, like that's we we all remember that. Um, there's the altercation because you know bars are places where people have too much to drink sometimes, or it can invite rough people to the neighborhood. That's right. And so we have that altercation for for Luke right away. Um, was it the prancing pony? Uh-huh. In, uh in Lord of the Rings, the prancing pony. That's in prancing in pony. Brie, right? Yeah. When in when in doubt, always <laughs> title your tavern with alliteration. Yeah. Uh, right. Yes, that's true. It's not a bad way to go. That's not true. a bad way to go. And or verb animal or color animal. The red dragon. The green dragon. <laughs> the red stag. The red antelope, the purple hippo, the, you know, the chartreuse Tell honey you badger. wouldn't drink at the purple hippo <laughs> who, who wouldn't drink at the purple who hippo, wouldn't. right? I don't know what's going on there, but I'm, I'm in. And what's interesting too, is okay. that the title or not the title, the name of your tavern can also speak to its owner, which can be very yep. interesting. It can be an, like Saltsworth. Right. It can give you this kind of uh, a little hint as to uh, who, what the person who started this place was thinking. Like, what if a tavern was called Bloody Knuckles? Right. Yeah. You that know raises what questions. You know what you're like, hmm, is this a place that I should walk into? Yeah, it might be a little bit rough, but it also might be ironic, like um, Entangled, uh, the Snuggly Duckling, Mm -hmm. you know, and it even looks sort of nice if a bit lopsided from the outside. Sure. And then you go in and it's what Bloody Knuckles is supposed to be. (laughs) It's supposed to be. It's just, oh, no, what what have I found? That's another great example of a great tavern uh, where... You know, uh, uh, the the heroes of the story make make more allies and trade information. Oh yeah, in a children's film, you know, where we're s- supposed to look down on alcoholism. Hey, and they they've got uh, what was they've got the drunk like diaper guy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, man. Uh, yeah, he's in that. Um, that's just so many, so many more places. Here's another thing. Um, at taverns, you drink, right? And if you're doing it right. <laughs> well, what's magical about that, it, of course, is, is the release of inhibition. That's true. And that's true. You can, you can get closer to that true self, to that vulnerable self, right? Into that, that personage that is able to open up and talk, especially, you know, your big, tough ranger who, who needs to open up a little bit. That's right. Or after a rollicking adventure to take a little bit of levity to be able to talk about that sad backstory stuff and bring it out. Yep. Um, it's a good excuse. Yeah. It's a good excuse to go there in game. It absolutely and to, is. And to open up minds and loosen some tongues. Yeah. And from a from a gameplay perspective, it's just really fun to play a drunk character. <laughs> super, super fun. Super yeah, duper it could definitely fun. Be a good time, especially if if spirits are high. But as perhaps as the hours uh, way way on and, and go on, there's um, there is that those moments of sincerity as uh, people grow tired. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, or on the flip side, you know, as people start uh, getting further into the night. And you get some of these adventurers who are getting deeper and deeper into their cups. You know, some of them also can maybe get a little crazy, which can be exciting, you know, because you haven't experienced all of what D&D has to offer until you check off full on tavern brawl off your bucket list. Like, yeah, absolutely. You need to smash a chair over someone and there's literally a feat for that. Yes. <laughs> yes, there is. And it's awesome. You know, they, they're they like, you know what's going to happen? <laughs> That's and right. I've got a picture of it. There's an illustration of a of a tavern fight happening in the book. They knew. They knew. So it, it, it's a lot of stuff happens. And I think that a GM's job in this case is to make a place that is unique and memorable. Correct. Correct. And... I will also uh, throw this out there as just a um, a plug. One of the folks that we've worked with uh, over at Nord is a guy over in the Netherlands named Chris Vanderlinden, who runs a third party uh, supplement publishing company called uh, called Loresmith, and he you may have this book, Adam. I I. Th- I uh, I think maybe Spike gave it to you. Um, it's called Remarkable. Uh, I want to say Remarkable Inns or Remarkable Inns and Taverns. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think I've got that one, but yeah, it's it's so familiar. so good. Like if you are looking for interesting tavern ideas, tavern games, um, you know, gambling. Uh, like wagering ideas for tavern games. Um, he's got pre-generated ins and stuff like that in there that are have different ratings as far as like the kind of security, how fancy it is, like you know, special gimmicks. 
he came up with a bunch of different kinds of like signature drinks and things that could be there. A oh, nice. ton of stuff. It's an amazingly good resource if you're looking for cool ideas for inns. And yeah. as a side note, he also has a uh, a follow-up book for that that's Remarkable Shops. So if that sounds cool to any of you out there, go check out Loresmith. Um Remarkable Inns and Remarkable Shops, I believe, are mm. are the books. So, you know, something to put on your list if you're looking for an interesting read. Um, but now that we've hit on why taverns are important, um, I I was trying to think of who, when it comes to the tavern or this, uh, you know, I we say tavern, but I feel like we're actually kind of using tavern and inn kind of interchangeably here. Yeah. But um, who are the important people associated oh, yeah. with these places? Well, obviously, you know, you probably have like an owner. Yep. Maybe the owner and the bartender are the same person. Correct. Maybe they're not. Um, I think it's important to have important, unimportant people. Yes. Yes. Which is to say, you know, Millie the maid is important. She's not important in the grand scheme of the cosmos necessarily. She doesn't make a lot of money. She doesn't have uh, a big title. Right. But she can affect the party in important ways that maybe do have long term cosmic in- implications. Oh, totally. Right. And, you know, th- that can exist. Having people in the tavern or anywhere in town for the party to care about matters. Oh, because then you can threaten those things. That's right. That's right. But, but in all seriousness, yes. I mean, you can put these things in danger that creates stakes and that allows the players to, to protect poor Millie. So other than, other than Millie, I'm thinking we've got, we've got the innkeeper owner bar barkeep. You know, they they all can kind of be rolled into one, one guy unless you want to be break two it guys. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. You, you, you got all old, old cookie behind the counter. Yeah. You know, the cook that's in the right. kitchen. That's right. You know, cook or chef. Um, it's always some sort of roughneck guy. Right. Oh, yeah. Or He's lady. got like like tattoos, like spitting a biker, <laughs> like just a hardcore yeah, biker. Right. <laughs> almost always that it's almost it's almost never like an actual chef unless unless it's maybe like this hyper pretentious with like a french accent oh yeah you know type but for the most part it's old cookie old you know and he's cookie. like a half orc yeah right and he's and he's unaccountably good at what he does <laughs> right. like you're like this is freaking fantastic where did you learn to cook like this he's like i'll never tell like, turns out he actually went to a culinary academy or something, but he, it's right. It, yeah. it, telling people that it just annihilate his street cred. So he keeps it to himself. Yeah. So that, that's always a great character. Of course, you always have your minstrel or bard, right? Yep. You've got, you know, toss a coin to your witcher, right? You, better. you know, this is, it catches on for a reason. Yep. Um, I don't know how much TikTok you do. Um, there's a big TikTok trend where, um, someone's like singing like a little, uh, uh, tavern shanty mm-hmm. 
and, uh, and other users have their character enter the bar and enjoy the atmosphere and maybe sing along. Oh, and people like add on and take away to it. That's interesting. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Uh, it, it's it's interesting to see people's like various cosplays that they use or whatever and how they their character's demeanor is as they enter the bar and and uh, that's pretty fun. engage in the scene. I like that. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. As far as TikTok trends go, it's one of the less annoying ones for sure. Now, the question is, have you done it? I haven't done it. No, uh, no. Uh, maybe one of these days, maybe one of these days, but, uh, so it was cool in the interest of time. Yeah. What I have written here, uh, is the innkeeper, the staff, the suppliers. So where the, uh, where slash who the tavern or in gets all their stuff from, maybe there's like a local winery or a brewery or a baker or, you know, people who bring the stuff that the butcher, the brewer and the baker and a candlestick maker, perhaps <laughs> like I know in um, very, 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 very light spoilers for Curse of Strahd. But there's a there's an inn in the town of Velaki, which is kind of a major hub uh, town for the campaign and at that inn they serve wolf steaks and there are actually two hunters who frequent the inn who are responsible for going out and hunting these wolves that kind of swarm the countryside so these guys go out on a very regular basis hunt these wolves bring them back to the inn where the inn they pay these guys and will cook up food for them and you know they it becomes a regular hangout for these guys so there's a bit of a give and take in terms of just like even the local economy like so it it can be a neat idea to think about who else contributes to this tavern and or in doing its business because these kind of places, you know, you're putting up a lot of people. If you're running an inn, you're not also a farmer. You're not also, you know, a regular fisherman or something like that. Right. Unless you have maybe other folks in your family that handle that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so the suppliers and then regular customers like norm, where it's like, yeah, the the usual crowd where it's like that dude's in here every night. He hears everything. Oh, all of a sudden, you know, at least one person whose ear you might want to bend if you're looking for information. Right. Oh, yeah, definitely. And you can also have, you know, Cliff in there who gives you bad information, but you always like, you know, click on him so that oh, you totally. always hear the, the wacky story is available for you. You know, it's always fun. So you can always have these great comic relief characters in there as well. Oh, yeah. Um, and other characters that could possibly have other kinds of relationships with the, with the players. That's absolutely right. Um, so that brings me around to fixes. So, and I, I don't even necessarily know if I want to say fixes because that insinuates right. that something's broken and it, and it isn't, but 
some ways I think we could uh, help the tavern start feel just feel better. Right. Yeah. Um, One of the main things I was thinking was prepping your PCs ahead of time and sort of session zero kind of stuff. Maybe give them a little bit of forewarning, like, hey, this is the kind of situation that we're going to start in um, so that they're kind of ready for it. Because also it might feel off if, you know, you open things in a tavern when maybe for whatever reason your PCs were expecting to be like starting on the road or in the middle of a fight or, you know, something like that. So it's a good idea, like usual, to communicate and just get your PCs relatively on the same page. You know, you don't have to spoiler your entire opening, but, you know, maybe give them some idea of that. And along with that, prep a unifying moment or prompt that that you kind of tailor to grab the group's attention and draw everyone in, get them to participate together in something like even if it's just a bar brawl happening, something where they're all involved in it together and they can immediately have that sort of shared experience. Um, Honestly, I think I think that those kind of two things having a unifying moment and kind of giving your players just a bit of fair warning to say, hey, you guys are going to be starting together in this tavern. I think that alone can kind of help smooth that out a little bit and help them to just mentally prepare, right? Well, I mean, I guess that's true for about basically anything, yeah, right? That's true. But at this, at the same time, I just I think it's all in how you deliver it. Yeah, right. Like you've had a steak, you've had a few steaks in your life, right? You probably. Like, I think if you turn your nose up to a steak, there's something wrong with you, you know, especially right. if someone's put a little bit of love and care into it. But you're certainly not going to turn your nose up when they peel this thing back. And you're like, wow, I know that that's a steak, but man, that's a heck of a steak you just put in front of me. Right. Wow. You really put some effort and some some money into that. Right. I really appreciate that. I can't wait. Yeah. To dive in. I mean, anything that you deliver, you can elevate. Oh, that's that's true. And I think that if. Your players are like, man, you really should have told me beforehand before you dared start me in a tavern. I would yeah. just be, <laughs> I would just be like, okay, man, you know, like just chill. Yeah. Um, no, because yeah. again, you are not better than a tavern. Nobody is. I mean, in, in all these great stories, we, we include it. That's, I think very that, true. I think it's a good trope for a good reason. Yeah. But we, but we do want to get away from just saying, you meet in a tavern. Now role play for me, puppets. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's not good. Yeah. Um, one thing we didn't mention was the quest board, which is something I like to put in taverns. Oh yeah, you know, or maybe the people that have the rumors or whatever. But it's usually a place where you can get a quest. Oh, totally. Um, in Skyrim, you can go to literally any bar, and they'll usually give you one of the random quest to go out and kill a guy and retrieve a thing and come back and then they'll pay you. Right. And that's an an easy way to do things. And lots of games 
have similar things. Some games revolve entirely around the tavern. Um, the original Baldur's Gate, the first place you start off in is a tavern. Mm. And the very first NPC you talk to is Winthrop, <laughs> who runs the tavern. And he says, my old girl's as clean as an elven arse. <laughs> and I still remember that. And that was the line when I was in high school or younger. I was probably in junior high, actually. Um, when that thing was new. And if we don't see Winthrop and he doesn't say that in Baldur's Gate 3, there's literally no point to it. <laughs> I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> so literally, they just should have called it something else. Oh, man. Because now it just doesn't matter. It, it'd be like having a Final Fantasy game without a sit in it. Oh, yeah. It's like, like do, you, do you even care? Do you even care? Right? Where's your heart? Where's your heart? <laughs> so, Give us a little secret ingredient and a Winthrop, if you would, please. Yeah, 100%. There's just so much place for a little, dare I say, heart and soul, which might be playing in the saloon itself. That's the one, right? And it, yeah, absolutely. Yes, it's the song. Other than Chopsticks, it's like the song they all know how to play. So... It, it also takes me to uh, the band America. You know, you know, America, um, they they sing a song called uh, Tin Man. You ever heard this song? I've probably heard it. I, I don't know it off the cuff, though. Well, one of the one of the lines goes sometimes late when things are real and people share the gift of gab among themselves. Some are quick to take the bait and catch the perfect prize that waits among the shelves. Uh, and I think that's just a beautiful line. It is. Um, and it, and to me, it really is about that, that truth that opens up in those moments of togetherness that, um, usually happen around a drink and a fire. Yep. Yep. And it's a very special and very kind of unique sort of, uh, place and sort of vibe. Um, now talking about, that and what makes a tavern special and stuff brings me to my last little chunk of stuff. And that is what could you do to shake up a tavern? An earthquake. I know that was too easy. I'm sorry. It's fine. It's fine. You're not feeling well. And I understand there. There's another good <laughs> tavern name for you. The low hanging fruit. <laughs> I'm writing that down too. <laughs> yeah. They just write themselves, you know, um, you know, it's even got a little bit of uh, potential innuendo there. That's that's fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. We didn't even mention that your inn can be a brothel, uh, but it, could. it can. It can. So how do we how do we shake up the the vanilla idea of a tavern? The first thing I've got on my list is does the tavern have a secret like? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. 
Yeah. Is it also something else? Is it actually a tavern at all? You know, you go in and it turns out Cookie can't cook to save his life. What is he doing back there? All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in Skyrim, um, it's it's literally where the spies gather. Yep. Uh, at least in, in one of them. Um, and then there's like literally a secret compartment where you go and get the next big piece of the quest. And there's a whole bunch of old equipment in there and stuff. And, uh, and that's really cool. So yeah, it can always be that secret hub. I think just adding it's a tavern and, uh, yeah, it's always something you can, you can probably do. That's true. And you know, it, it just occurred to me too, that one of the neat things that you can play with, especially with a tavern or an inn is the fact that because it's such a public place like a pub uh because it's so out in the open it can make it interesting or more interesting for there to be these secret things about it that it's like literally this is the place where most everyone goes and to imagine that there's been something going on not on not necessarily under just a few people's noses but everyone's noses you know that like the entire town could be being duped by just a few people and they're using this in as a cover or a front could be really really intriguing oh yeah definitely I, i also had the thought of something else you can do with it is you can build it over time so you can give your players the opportunity to invest in it. Oh, totally. And to maybe m- make decisions on on how to how it runs, right? Like, hey, we're doing really well. Like, what else should we do with this? Oh, we need to make this like an information trading hub. I want to add in the the full quest board and more tables so that people can meet. Or we can do the thing where um, we open up the alchemist laboratory below. Uh, and you know, the bottom floor or let's let's turn this into a (laughs) huge enterprise and add more, add more breweries, you know, or we can franchise. Hey, it's not, it's, (laughs) it's not an inn yet. Let's add some, let's add a floor and some rooms. Like there's, there's so many ways for the players to become personally invested as well as financially invested in the, in the tavern itself to help it grow and change over time. Absolutely. And I think that 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 goes in nice to the next thing I add on my list is does the tavern have a instead of a secret, just a unique feature like is there a mechanical bull in the middle of the room? Like, (laughs) you know, do they have a pool? (laughs) Like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of places have a clever name and there's usually usually a, a reason behind the name. Yeah. Right. And so like almost every tavern that's named in Dungeons and Dragons, the book will actually explain to you why it's called that. Yeah. Right. And so like there's one, I want to say it's like Belliard or it's near Belliard. It's one of these. I've, I forget which one, but it has like an animated armor that used to like be part of the decor. And then one day it like ran off. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you know? You know, and and there was like another one and where like it had a, a lantern that would like float around by itself. 
I don't remember. Um, it was on Storm King's Thunder. It's all blur now. Mm. But um, it's um, there's usually explanations. Oh yeah, for all these names. There was also uh, a, a popular tavern in Dragon Age Two. I think it was the Hanged Man. Mm. And what was interesting about the Hanged Man is, of course, it had a dark Kirkwall history as to why it was called that. That was morbid. But the other reason why that's interesting is because of the uh, tarot arcana of the hanged man, mm. which is um, one of the famous archetypes of is Odin, who, uh, you know, gives up one of his eyes in spends time hanging upside down from a tree in order to gain greater knowledge and wisdom. Sounds smart to me. And so a place like a tavern is a place where you, change perspective and gain knowledge and wisdom. I like that. You know, that's very cool. Yeah. It's really, really cool. So I think that they, they probably thought of that. Nice. That's a great, great idea. And I mean, for any of you out there who are trying to think about this kind of stuff, like do that, you know, think about what else could go on these places, maybe at a place like that called the hanged man or something. If you have a, uh, if you're basing it on this idea of like the tarot or fortunes and stuff, what if they're, what if they actually did uh fortune telling or card reading and stuff like that? Oh you yeah. Know, that's have an a easy sort one. Soothsayer vibe, you know, that could create good place to do foreshadowing. Yes, absolutely. Along with that, kind of idea you can also bring in like i mean even if you're playing theater of the mind the air quotes visual elements you could have like the blue smoke hanging low in the room you know cushions and uh colored draped fabrics and stuff like that and you really get that sort of um classic fortune tellery vibe which would feel different than the typical kind of wood lanterns your your normal tavern vibe so you could go all kinds of directions with that what about having something that interrupts the ongoing things or regular goings on of the tavern right you mean like suddenly there's a loud noise outside or something like that you know where you can everyone's in the tavern and something weird or big or crazy happens you know yeah, suddenly there's an altercation, but it's not just a bar fight. There's there's weapons, and someone shouts a, a name in a strange language that you don't understand. And right, they stab somebody and and run away. It's like, oh, is it now? Now we're understanding there's some sort of cult influence, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe it's some kind of secret society, or someone transforms into a monster, you know, like there's um, or a trebuchet potential. stone just crashes through the wall. Oh yeah, totally. Totally. You know, there's a there's always and then the thing happens. Yep. You know, that interrupts everything that's going on. So you start to get the sense that the players are starting to, you know, enjoy the atmosphere a little too much and we're not playing D&D anymore. Mm-hmm. You might uh, just say and a boulder smashes through the wall. Hey. Right? And uh that's a that's a great way to to jump right into to the adventure stuff. There you go. Because we just spent enough time getting you to care about Millie, and now Millie's in danger or dead, and now you've got to deal with that. And now all of a sudden, 
we care. Nothing motivates like crushing Millie with a two ton trebuchet boulder. <laughs> the real villain is the GM. <laughs> That's what we're saying. All right. So how about this? The inn is used as something else. So it is the rock on the trebuchet. Whoa. Hurdling through space. Wow. But we're all used to it and we have no idea how fast we're moving just as we do on earth. Wow. That is not at all the direction my brain was going in, but I, (laughs) I don't dislike it. (laughs) I mean, that's like the big like secret when you're like level nine and the wizards like, I want to tell you guys a secret (laughs) that I've been saving for a long time. We are on a collision course (laughs) with the sun. (laughs) and everyone's like okay he's like no seriously like you guys ever wonder why the shutters the shutters have been nailed shut no one ever leaves (laughs) that should make you ask questions i thought it was just because we waste time well there's also that but technically you haven't been allowed to leave in three months how did we not realize Um, Please help us. Oh, my God. Um, so there's there is that. I was thinking, like, um, imagine the town is occupied by, like, uh, an outside uh, military force or something. And the inn gets taken over by the invaders who are now occupying the town. And they basically turn the inn or tavern into something else like Like a hospital or something hospital or you know a makeshift jail barracks or an armory or anything like that and maybe yeah you get brought into you know you find yourself at a tavern you walk in but there's no bartender in fact you see a bunch of makeshift cells along the walls Something like that, where you walk into the tavern and you play a bit with your players expectations and you figure, okay, when you tell them you guys walk into the tavern, you know, they're going to have that very classic image that pops into your head. And then you hit them with, but actually what's before your eyes is not what you expected. And turn the tables on them, which could be a lot of fun. Yeah. Good idea. So, I mean, and your, your tavern could have been something else in the past Mm -hmm. and then transformed into. Oh, totally. Tavern. A taverns also would also be a great neutral zone for two warring factions. Like it is in the Casablanca. There you go. Right. You know, any kind of uh, using it as a, as a no man's land, you know, Mm -hmm. the neutral zone, even in uh, like, Movies that deal with like crime and stuff like that. They always say, you know, go meet in a public place, that sort of stuff. Or maybe it's the kind of place where deals go down or. um, Oh, yeah. I adhere. What if the inn or tavern was more involved, like more deeply involved in the actual adventuring business? Maybe they are the ones who actually post the contracts and determine what the payout is. They know that Andrew's going to roll out a character who's going to drop two gold on a meal. 
just to feel like a high roller. That's right. Like, it's always going to do it. Always. And it never fails. You do it on every single character. You always do that. Why Why not, though? You want to feel like a high roller. <laughs> you you always love that moment. You're always like, I put on five gold pieces. Because you always want me to describe that dude's eyes like lighting up and freaking out. You know. I mean, I have a type. What can I say? <laughs> you have a type. <laughs> yes, you do. Yeah, man. So that's, that's literally his entire business angle is just attracting adventurers. They all die at around level five, and then we get the next patch, and they do the same thing there over again. There you go. Again. Rinse and repeat. And, you know, these guys could have, you know, you could have a tavern that is tailored to adventurers where, like, they've got hookups on gear and gear repair. They know people who can make you potions or poisons. They, you know, they have contacts that can get you in touch with this person, this person, this person, if the price is right. You know, they have a whole menu of uh, of adventuring aid services that you could enlist. By the way, if you follow all the like downtime activity stuff that you can do in the DMG and in Xanathar's, mm-hmm. like it really does a good job of of giving you the exact amount of time, like work weeks, as well as money spent on things like bribes and information gathering. Yeah, there you go. Um in order to get certain things done, like buy or sell a magic item or gain information or whatever. Yep. Uh, even just carousing does stuff, right? You know, like you can pick one of these activities and it's actually codified in 5e exactly what you get from there it. There you go. Which is really cool. And then there's also like a table of random complications that happen. Oh, I love random complications. <laughs> right? Who, Who doesn't? doesn't? You know. So that's always that's always really, really cool. Um, And the more you can kind of bake that into the narrative, probably the better. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, do you have any other uh, crazy ways you could think of that a that a tavern could or an inn could be used or repurposed or otherwise made to be, you know, uh, a little more interesting than the typical vanilla sort of place. So it's literally run by mind flayers and you're all thralls. And this is a show for their enjoyment. And it's like you wake up and it's basically Truman show (laughs) because you're the only one who isn't a thrall. Oh my God. Right. And they just, they're just watching you for like entertainment. Ugh, you and mind flayers. (laughs) I know. Actually, it's me and Truman Show. I mean, I just love that movie. Oh, my God. I haven't watched that movie in so long. Gosh, I love that movie. Um, So I guess that's another thing you can do. Find your favorite movie and turn it into a tavern. You know. Um, I will say this, you know, just to kind of wrap things Mm -hmm. up, is while it's cool to have a twist and, and even having something really wacky about it, let it have some of those trope things. Let it have the, the, the warm hearth. Let it have the wooden tables. Let it have the the foul smelling ale, whatever it is, or the or the sweet autumn senses of of uh, you know um, clove and and uh, uh, cinnamon, you yeah. know, or, or pine or whatever. Yeah. You know, there's you know, you get a little sandalwood. There's all kinds of wonderful ways to illustrate, but you know, keep it relatable 
even within your twist, because we all have a watering hole of some kind in our lives, be that the local bar or your parents' house or, you know, whatever it is, you know, yeah, it, there is something like that in uh, the sh- a show you and I like to refer to a lot, Boston Legal. Show is. There is a bar, but the true watering hole for the two friends, Denny and Ellen, is on the balcony. Yep. It's on the balcony. And they share a drink, and they, it, and they share their deep, intimate thoughts with each other. And it's there where really the magic of that show happens. Yep. And it is within the magic circle of the watering hole that a lot of the magic can be drawn out of the characters and out of the game world. That is 100% true. I couldn't have said it better myself. It's 100% correct. Um, so that's all I got. But uh, I hope that everyone listening, you know, if if you were like, yeah, tavern thing, hopefully this discussion at least got you to maybe take a second and go, you know, maybe I was being a little too harsh or maybe I was being a little too snobby. Like Adam says, you're not too good for a tavern. No one is. No one is. <laughs> Nobody's too good for Nobody's tavern. too good for a tavern. You are not special is what we're <laughs> saying. <laughs> if there's one thing we've ever said and made absolutely clear on this show, we make no bones about it at all. Oh my god. Uh Mr. Rogers would be ashamed of me right now. Speaking of Mr. Rogers, it is time for us to change our cardigan in our shoes and to take our leave. That's true. So before we do that, as always, we have some people that we would just love to thank. And those people are our ever loyal patrons, Kate Prostaskius, Leroy, Josh, Tiana, Falangor, Spike, Chris, Logan, Punch and Potato, and Jen Solo. We heart you guys so much. And if we had a tavern or inn big enough for all of us, you guys would each get your own rooms. Honestly, that'd be freaking sweet. Hell yeah, it'd be sweet. <laughs> that'd be sweet. <laughs> <laughs> really would man that'd be cool what was what was that uh god that was that's a family guy reference probably family guy as best say it was carter pewter schmidt he was he was saying oh, he wishes yeah. he had something i wish i had one of those that'd be sweet Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times anyway anyway so if you also want to be as cool as one of those fine folks I just mentioned, and also get a sick room at our imaginary tavern in our hearts, <laughs> head on over to patreon.com slash inspiration point and check out our individual tiers at the one, five and $20 level. My mouth almost didn't want to say all that, but I got through it. And if you jump in at the $20 level, it will give you access to getting in on a game run by Mr. Adam power himself. And as some of our patrons who I've named would attest, 
the games have been excellent and tons of fun and an absolute bargain. So check those out. Otherwise, if you'd like to connect with us on social media or just take a look at the website itself, head on over to inspirationpoint.buzzsprout.com. And there in the upper right hand corner, if you're on a desktop computer, you'll see three little buttons that will take you to our Facebook, Twitter and Patreon, respectively. And if you're on mobile, those dots will be in the top center of the screen. You shouldn't be able to miss them. And with all that housekeeping stuff out of the way, our uh, parting thoughts, I would just say reconsider the the humble tavern. If you have uh, kind of put it out of your mind or if you actively avoid it, maybe go back and see if you can't reignite the fires of love that you have simmering in your heart for the old classic tavern and uh, have some good times there and spread around a little bit of that secret ingredient. What's that secret ingredient, Adam? It's a love. That's right. That's (laughs) right. And there's more than enough for everyone. And until next time, stay inspired. Bye. Have a great life. Wow, that sounds so final. Uh, another Cheers reference. Oh, jeez. I I really ought to go watch that. All right, the final line of the show. We're closed.